Dr. Uh, Marianne, she just is amazing and um, just such a support. And the work that she's doing in step-by-step is just been amazing because there's so much sacrifice in this work. There's so much that has been poured into this work. There's so much, um, you know, intent that has been put in to make sure that something can be delivered at a quality level for all of our kids and communities near and far. So I just don't want to, you know, negate the opportunity to be able to um, edify her in the work that she does. The same person you see in these 15 minutes that is passionate about the program is the same person who assess the kids, tutors, teaches she teaches tutors, teachers, teachers, just all that's the same person, right? It's the same love and, and, and passion. And the thing that you mentioned at the beginning that you empower um, and, and encourage, I think is so powerful because I think it speaks to who you are as a person and that that's the part that people should connect to. And that's the part that people should realize needs the sponsoring and the support to continue this work in the world. So continue to do an amazing job. I um, stand for you and I just, you know, support you as much as, you know, as we can. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dyslexia Solutions podcast channel, where I interview parents of dyslexic children or teachers of dyslexic children. I also interview dyslexic adults, and sometimes I just share from my heart. Our purpose is threefold, to empower you with information, to encourage you that you're not alone, and we're always seeking sponsors to help keep our message forward. Dyslexia impacts one in five children, and it needs to be addressed now. Hi, I'm Dr. Marianne Cintron, founder of Step-by-Step Dyslexia Solutions. We are a 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization, and I equip heroic teachers with an effective literacy program to remediate dyslexia so we can close the achievement gap, stop that school-to-prison pipeline, and prepare kids for success in school and in life. I'm also a published author of A Message of Hope, How Music Enhances Reading for Dyslexic Children. And I'm an app developer of the famous music and spelling app called Dunking Dyslexia. I have a very special guest for you today. I want to introduce to you someone who I just admire so much. I I love the talent I can have on this YouTube uh, channel. So I want to introduce to you Marianne Young, I'm going to share a little bit about her before we bring her on to meet you. So she became an advocate for children when it started with her own advocacy for her son when he was in third third grade, and now he's a high schooler. So listen to her um, bio. She is the vice chairman of the Board of Access to Independence. She's on the executive board for and a member of the Autism Hope Center. She's a network leader for the Autism Society of Alabama, and she sits on the advisory council for the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. She's also a recipient of the NAACP's Community Hero Award, and she's the author of a really well book, good book, Raising Exceptional Children. 
So would you please welcome, join me in welcoming Marianne Young. Hi, Marianne. <laughs> Hi, how are you? The only person who's, that I know that spells your name the same way I do. It's great to have you today. I just um, gave everybody a, a, little, a brief introduction about you, but is there something else you'd like to share with the audience before, you, before I ask you all the questions I'm going to ask you today? No, you encompassed it really well. I started this not too long ago, um, fighting for my own child. And so I know what it feels like to be in the position that a lot of these parents are facing. While I do a lot with um, boards related to autism, my son does also have profound dyslexia. Let me first ask you about your son's self-esteem. We know that kids who suffer with dyslexia and autism don't have that strong self-esteem. Have you seen his self-esteem improve since he's been getting remediation? Absolutely. He was very shy about academics, both math and reading. He struggled in both areas. And um, when he started getting better, um, he responded fast to the math remediation. He already had kind of a mind for that. He is um, considered gifted as well. So once he kind of got what he needed, that took off. And so having a strength really helped him. And from there, I saw him trying more in other areas, even reading, despite how difficult it was for him. What are some of his uh, gifts and talents? Because we know that dyslexic children actually excel in many other areas other than reading you want to share a little bit about that yeah he loves he's a builder he wants to be an engineer right so um legos he likes all the stem toys connecting circuits making little radios at home um he's he's a science and engineer lover and he's really really brilliant actually that's really neat and i know three um dyslexic people can see in three dimension Yes. And they love hands-on projects. And I personally know someone who's an ice carver. And he says he can see a dyslexic man who's an ice carver. And he can see the figure inside of the ice that he wants to carve out. And I can see that in, in engineering. Um, that's wonderful that your son has such high aspirations. And he'll achieve those with your support. I believe it. So let me just let the audience know a little bit about your expertise as an advocate, because while I used to advocate for people, I would rather not advocate so I can promote my reading program and my training for teachers. But I, every day I talk to people that want to know what to do. So it's nice to know there's an advocate I can send them to. So tell me a little bit about how a parent starts the process of, first of all, getting their child assessed for dyslexia. And how do they get the hours that they really need so they don't have to take them out of electives and take them out of or have them start in zero period if they're in high school? Yeah. So it, if, if you're really getting started with the process, you know, the question usually starts with, do I can I just get assessed through school or do I need a, a private evaluation as well? And I honestly recommend that you get a private evaluation as well if you can, if you can afford it, if your insurance covers it it is very beneficial. And then most states don't have a dyslexia law. So the way you get to the appropriate reading program and the appropriate hours is one, you have to establish that your child has the condition. And that's where a diagnosis really does help because 
dyslexia is very a very specific specific learning disability right and, and that doesn't necessarily flow the other way um so as specific uh, dyslexia is a specific learning disability but a specific learning disability isn't necessary dyslex dyslexia so um get the the diagnosis and then the way you connect it is using research we have 70 years of research to show or more to show how how these children need to be taught and i laid it out in a document for my son's team just so it's you know this is what the law requires and this is how he he meets that criteria and so it becomes very visually obvious you know um but you were met with a lot of opposition from the school district, right? Yes. Yeah. I got all the same things that people are still getting today. We can't, we can't evaluate for dyslexia. Um, they told me initially that he could not proceed with special education without an, um, an evaluation that they couldn't evaluate and that he needed a diagnosis. So um, the way around that is, and it took me a long time. I was starting from nothing. I had no clue it's put it in writing and every I had meeting after meeting and they would always find a way to circumvent me. You know, I would do a little reading and it says, if you suspect a disability, they have to evaluate, but in the end, they still didn't do it. So ultimately I looked up some testing that they do for dyslexia. And I said, okay, I wrote a letter. I want you to do this test and, or this test and, 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 or any and all available equivalents because I just knew that if I said, do this test, they would say, we don't have it. And they wouldn't offer an alternative, you know? Yeah. So I had to really make it so ironclad that they couldn't circumvent me. And finally, that's what worked. You know, and my heart goes out to the administrators because I know how hard they work and their plates are so full and there's standards to meet. But my heart goes out to the parents too, who fight for, for their kids to get the help they need. And you know, sometimes we just have to be made up the priority and it's the, you know, the parent who writes the letter and speaks up that gets the attention. One of the things I've offered parents is let me do a screen so that you can bring that screen as a first step to the school. And some of the cases of dyslexia are pretty mild and we can start intervention right away with a screen instead of waiting, is it 90, 90 days? right before the school will actually get that original letter from the parent and promise we will have the assessment in 90 days. It's, so it's what, 60. Um, 60? Yes. Okay. But the screenings are so important and they tend to be a lot more affordable than full blown evaluations. And I frequently have my clients that don't have the, the economic means to pay for, for a full evaluation to get a screening because it is helpful. It's very helpful. Good. Yeah. And the other thing I tell the parents is we could get started with something now. Let's get intervention started. But ultimately, we do want the school to pay for it. Yes. And sometimes there's families who can afford it themselves and they don't want to wait or even hassle with the bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, there's just not enough people trained to work with the dyslexic children. Did you find that when you were advocating for your son that Okay, so now they know he has Asperger's and he has dyslexia, but they just don't have people trained specifically in dyslexia to help him? 
that was a huge barrier. So he was identified for special ed in kindergarten, but still in third grade, he was only reading 30 words. And I kept asking why this doesn't make sense. And nobody really knew. But once it clicked that this is what's going on, um, I couldn't find anyone in my area that was Orton-Gillingham trained or certified. And I turned to the internet and it's turned into a huge buzzword. So all the tutors had that tag. When you searched it, they came up. But when you get to reading their um, bios and their certifications, and that was never in there, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And um, that's something that I'm actually in the practicum for right now for Orton-Gillingham certification because I have always claimed to use Orton-Gillingham methods with my reading program. And just to um, have that validity to know that people who are saying that actually are using those multi-sensory um, Orton-Gillingham approaches is real important. So let me ask you, um, there's, you know, they, the schools want an outside individual <clears throat> evaluator or the IEE. Can you give parents some of the strategies or the do this or don't do that when their school says they need to find an outside evaluator? Sure. So with, with IEEs, it's independent educational evaluation. Um, usually when people are saying that, they mean at public expense, but that, that little modifier is left off quite frequently. But you can do it at your own expense, but there is a way to do it through the school district. And you would always want you want to put it in writing, document, document, document. That is the backbone of getting your kid the correct services. So you want to document what's going on. But if they've done an evaluation and you disagree with it, you know, I've seen evaluation reports where the kids, the whole family history is wrong in it. You know, if they've made egregious, simple errors like that, you might want to look at having somebody else evaluate your child. So you do not have to tell them why you disagree with the evaluation, but it is helpful um, because they have a choice. They can say yes and give you kind of permission to do this. And the law says without unnecessary delay, or if they want to decline, they have to file due process, which is a court case, essentially, to defend their, uh, their evaluation. Some states and districts are more likely to file due process than other states or districts. So you kind of have to know what's going on. But you can, if, if you don't want to go that far, if, if they go file due process, you can always withdraw the, the request. But I say try it, because a lot of times they will, they'll just give it to you. It's cheaper um, oftentimes to pay for the evaluation than it is to pay a bunch of attorneys. So write the letter. That's and right. Ask. And um, if people don't know who to go to, to get their assessments done, if they are, if I refer them to you or they go to you, can you refer them to these independent evaluators? Sure, I absolutely can. And if you request from the school district, they can give you a list. The law requires that they have a list available of providers as well. Now, you don't have to choose somebody on their list, but they, they have to give you a list. And usually there's not, there's not a lot of limitations around who you can choose. They have to meet minimum um, educational criteria, just, you know, just like the person in the school does. They have to be qualified and have a high enough degree to do the testing like you do, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then generally they have to charge what's called a community rate. So like Medicaid type rate. But outside of that, you can pick anyone really. Um, 
certain people do better reports than others. So I think that should definitely be a consideration. If you ask people on Facebook, sometimes they tell you, oh, go to this guy. He's so nice, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to give you the best report which or do the best testing, which is, which is really important. But I can absolutely refer them and they can get a list from their school district as well. Okay. And just so parents know the report has to be really thorough and accurate in case it does have to go with a, with an attorney. And that's the due process. But a lot of parents don't want to go that step. So usually the schools will um, change their tunes when they know that you have an advocate and they know that you know what you're doing. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was when I was trained to be an advocate, I was taught always get the list from the school because that shows they'll pay for it, but still bring your own IEE because theirs might be just saying what the school wants them to say. Yes. Does that sound, does that ring a bell? And I'm probably getting some people in trouble. I don't know. Yeah. So if they're on the list, chances are that the school has researched them and know that they already charge the community rate or, um, you know, have the minimum criteria, perhaps they've already been used as a vendor. So it could go, you know, either way, might the school district have a certain connection to them because they pay the bill yet? Yes. Yes. I've run into situations where there's a a local psychologist that I sent a lot of IEs to and, and she thought she was being contracted by the district. Oh, they're contracting me now. Well, they're contracting you because I've, I'm forcing them to pay for your evaluation. <laughs> but um, you do have to be careful. And I, ideally, I would probably choose somebody off the list. Personally, that's okay. what I would. And that's the bottom line. Get the, get the list, but choose somebody off the list. So th- we want to keep these, the interview short so people's attention span will let them hear the information. And um, I want to give you an opportunity to let people know how they can reach you, Marianne. Sure. I'm on Facebook and I have a website, exceptionaladvocacyservices.com. And it's the same on Facebook. Feel free to email me, message me. I'm always available and will help anybody out in any way I can. I know what it's like. Well, thank you so much for your time, Marianne. And I want to thank the audience for tuning in today. If what we have shared has inspired you, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, like us, and share us. And if you wouldn't mind visiting our website at dyslexia-solutions.com, consider making a donation because any amount will help, and this will help us get our message out. So I want to thank you for being with us today. Thanks again, Marianne Young, and we will talk soon. Thank you. Bye-bye now. And I'm Dr. Marianne Cintron.